All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 9, Episode 32 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Betway. If you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway. Must be 19 years of age or older. On terror only, please play responsibly. I'm host Brock Segan. We do not have Michael Beebs Bondi this week, so he has no ability to interrupt me before the introduction is even complete. We do have Dylan D. Berthium, though. How's it going? D- Doing good, man. Missed you guys last week. Missing our uh, our other half or our, our other third, I guess, uh, tonight. But uh, happy to be back on the mic uh, and talking some fantasy puck with you. Yeah, you were here last week because we all celebrated Valentine's on different days. And uh, this week, Biebs plays hockey on Tuesdays, and you have some previous commitments, so we tried to fit it in where we could. It's always just a grind for me to even get down here. What time do you want to start? It's like, well, whenever the baby goes to bed, we'll try to go live or start recording. So it's a bit of a grind for all three of us this time of year, but we make do. We've always got at least two of us. Welcome in. We are going to answer a bunch of your fantasy hockey questions we wanted to reach out to the listeners and get a feel for what is is on their mind what's questioning them at the moment and what they need help with in fantasy hockey we've really focused in on the strength of schedule over the last couple of weeks so we've done that 
I don't know how much more of this like pre-fantasy hockey trade deadline stuff we can really go over. Uh, we'll probably do a, an actual trade deadline preview next week as we lead into the NHL trade deadline. So this felt like a good time to reach out to the listeners and get some questions answered. So we reached out both on Twitter and on dailyfaceoff.com. So we will start up top with a question from dailyfaceoff.com from Pylon. And he wants to know what to make of the LA Kings drop in production. The team is so deep in fantasy relevant forwards. So what do you, who do you continue to hold and who do you move on from? To me, it's pretty simple. I do think this team is starting to turn a corner a little bit again, looking a little bit more like the team we saw early in the season. But like I said, there is lots of fantasy relevant forwards on this team. And a lot of guys that I really like, a lot of really guys with really good shot volume as well. Uh, I know I picked up Victor Arvidsson in our big money league right away. He's been a great addition, but Honestly, like outside of um, Phil Deneau and Pierre-Luc Dubois, like those are the only two guys that I'm probably not holding on to long term. And I would be very interested in just streaming them. But like Kempe Kopitar, Trevor Moore, Quentin Byfield, Kevin Fiala, and Victor Arvidsson are all guys that I want to hold on to right now. And, and I think the Kings will turn things around. And as we said, we've been looking at a lot of strength of schedule stuff. They've got uh, basically middle of the pack strength of schedule for the rest of the season from here on out. And their playoff schedule is actually quite good. So I do think the Kings will play a factor here in the second half of the season. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you don't want to get too antsy with any of these guys that are, are really still commanding big minutes and have you know known to be reliable fantasy commodities. In the past, um, I think the likes of like a, a Trevor Moore is probably a, a harder uh, to convince people to kind of hold on to through this stretch. But uh, his shot volume has still been off the charts. So you, you know that we're going to love uh, hanging on to him and, and, and holding good on him. Byfield's probably a little bit trickier. You know, the shot volume hasn't quite been there. But uh, I think he's just been so productive all season long in terms of those assists. He continues to get some pretty good usage and, and seems to just be a tier above the likes of uh, you know, PLD and, and still Arvidsson in, in terms of how those minutes are going to get doled out. So uh, that's probably where I draw the line. I mean, it obviously just depends how deep you are too. I talked about how uh, a few weeks ago, I still think PLD um, has some a decent upside if he's able to get the ice time. He's turned a bit of a corner. It's still not great. Um, if you're in banger leagues, he offers a bit more value there. So a little bit easy, easier to hold on to him. But yeah, I mean, you're not you're not getting too angsty and, and dropping the likes of Kempe, Fiala, Kopitar, uh, or like I said, even more byfield. I'd still be holding pat on them. So, uh, yeah, I'm in agreement with you for sure. Another team that went through a tough stretch, particularly in goal, like the Kings did, was the New Jersey Devils. And this comes from FanFlaw on DailyFaceOff.com. The biggest for me is what happens in net for New Jersey. Feels like there's going to be a serious shakeup there. Uh, you weren't here last week, but we talked about Nico Dawes quite a bit. And to me, this just feels like Nico Dawes crease until it isn't. Uh, he's played very well uh, as of late. 942 save percentage in his last four starts coming into tonight. So far, he's given up two goals to the Capitals as we record this. Um, but as much young talent and good talent is on that team, just four points out of a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, you have to think that this is going to be a team that is going to be in the trade market for a goalie as much as any team in the NHL. Uh, according to Cap Friendly, they have $10.4 million in deadline cap space. So you have to think that this is a team that is going to be a front runner for somebody like Jacob Markstrom, who has been super good this year, fourth in the league in goals saved above expected. And he would obviously be a nice upgrade uh, for a team that has really, really you know, lacked answers between the pipes outside of a couple of decent stretches from different guys. But 
Uh, I'd be interested in trying to trade for Jacob Markstrom in fantasy right now. And if he does get make this move from Calgary to New Jersey, he could see a nice uh, you know, fantasy boost here in the second half. Obviously, like I said, he's played well. So he's, he's not going to come super cheap uh, on the trade market. But the Flames aren't, aren't the best team. I don't think that he is going to be super difficult to pry away from your fellow owners. But I do think that he's somebody that I would be looking to target and hope that he does get moved to a contender. Yeah, I think that's more realistic than the likes of like a UC Soros getting moved. Uh, Mark should definitely seems the most likely move. I mean, goalie trades midseason are, are always kind of um, difficult to pull off. So we'll, we'll see if it ends up happening. But yeah, I agree. I, I'm really interested in Dawes right now uh, with how well he's been playing. There's no reason for them to turn back to Vanacek given his struggles early in the year once he is healthy and still haven't really got a definitive timeline of potential return for him. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it might be time to really – do your best to, to try and shop Vanacek because while the fantasy value is is, is pretty low as it is, it, it might altogether disappear if they bring another goaltender into the mix. So, uh, yeah, I don't really know how much you can get for Vanacek, but in deeper leagues, you know, goalies can be pretty valuable. Maybe you look at the guy in your league who just picked up Nico Dawes and try to sell him on the fact that he can really solidify um, holding down the, the Devils uh, goaltending tandem. Uh, and just making sure that they get the starting goalie there without, you know, them maybe realizing that they're still in the market to maybe bring someone else in. So that would be my my real advice there. Grab Nico Dawes, I agree, if he's still there. Um, I think Markstrom, like I said, I, I agree with you. I think he's the most likely to move. New Jersey, one of the more obvious spots, uh, one of the most obvious teams to be in the market for the goalie midseason. Uh, and then, yeah, maybe do the very best you can to try to shop Vanacek because while, you know, it might be easy to convince yourself that the value is not going to get any lower. It could easily uh, actually get a little bit or, or much worse if they do bring in another goal into the situation. And who knows? They maybe look at waving him um, and keeping Dawes as the backup if that happens, if Dawes continues to play well. Yeah, and we saw, we talked about it last week, but we saw Nico Dawes go through an incredible stretch uh, a couple of years ago where he was basically playing every single night. And I, I think that this is a, a devil's team that has shown trust in him and he'll probably be the number one, as long as he's playing well, it, it, you know, as we sit here and chat about him, he gives up another goal to the New Jersey devils. So maybe the uh, Nico Dawes window is closing quickly, but uh, he's been great lately. And that's a team that, you know, like we said, really needs good goaltending. Speaking of goaltending, salty Habs also from dailyfaceoff.com asks, are goalies, in fact, voodoo, or is there any method to the madness of goalie starts? And I think that the answer is quite simple. And, and you, more than anybody on this podcast, has, has screamed that goalies are voodoo from the rooftops. But they are definitely voodoo. And for me, there's one clear example this year that proves that. And it's the fact that Jonathan Quick has 10 more goals saved above expected than Igor Shesterkin with, like, 10 less starts. Quick's career literally looked over. And Shesterkin was unquestionably one of the best goalies in the entire world coming into the year. And now things have just completely flipped the other way. There's no other way to explain that than other than goalies are clearly voodoo. Uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of forecasting, it is very difficult, right? Like you said, even if you're looking at maybe some advanced metrics like goal save above expected, uh, that's really more so telling you how well they've played to this point. And, you know, we've seen how goalies can kind of just swing it out. I think it's just such a mental game that it's probably why you see these big swings. Um, and it's really seems to be one of the few positions left in, in pro sports, let alone hockey, where traditional scouting seems to make that much bigger of a difference than any sort of analytics and anything that analysts can offer in terms of forecasting from a fantasy perspective. Uh, you're right. We love saying that they're voodoo. We also love saying that it's team stats, right? So you just got to play the matchups. 
Um, and, you know, in points leagues, you can maybe, if, if you're feeling uh, a bit risky and you got a goaltender that's playing well, if they're in a lopsided matchup, then maybe you can uh, play the goalie, hope they squeeze out a win or, or at very least rack up a bunch of saves. Um, and I think Joey Decor has probably been a pretty good example of that this year and, and being a pretty productive in points leagues, even when he's not uh, getting the win. But uh, otherwise, like in, in terms of forecasting and, and looking for a breakout, the easiest way to do that is looking at potential trade targets, right? And um, again, it comes back to a guy like Markstrom, you know, is he going to move to a situation where he's not going to be facing as many shots per night? We've seen goalies get moved uh, mid-season or even year to year in the past, and their save percentage tends to stay pretty similar if they maintain their own individual performance. And obviously this is the goals against average that can have a pretty big swing. So in category leagues, again, a guy like Markstrom, I think makes a lot of sense to go after because it does have an above average save percentage at 913 this season. You know, the Devils are pretty closely in line with the Flames in terms of shots against, but if you land somewhere else um, that, you know, are, are doing a better job at suppressing shots, maybe the Kings, for example, one of the better defensive teams in the league that have had their own struggles in goal, um, then you could really see Markstrom's performance in category leagues take a pretty big step. So otherwise, if you're deciding between goalies, I mean, really just look at the Vegas line, right? Look at the odds, see which teams are the favorite and just play by that. I mean, the sports books know what they're doing. There's a reason they turn profits night after night. Um, so, you know, don't think, don't overthink it too much. The easiest way to get value out of your boys in fantasy is wins. So just play the matchups. Yeah. Like I, I mean, obviously working at daily faceoff makes it a little bit easier, but I love streaming goalies to find those matchups. And we post uh, goalie rankings every single day that, that show who the best starting goalie streaming targets are for that night. And it is very simple. It's just math looking at the Vegas lines, looking at the implied totals. And, and that's how you're going to find the best goalie starts on a night to night basis. So uh, I I'm not usually a fan of going the zero goalie strategy, but they are so voodoo that if you do load up on forwards and just start streaming guys, you can certainly get by and using daily face off as a resource is, is one way to certainly make that process a little bit easier. The next comes from taser also daily face off.com. Uh, what the upside remaining for Tage Thompson guy has been cold as ice, hoping the complaints will cause him to score more. I don't know if that's how that works, but I'll go to you first on this one. Where do you sit with Tage Thompson rest of season? We've talked about him a lot, you know, maybe the biggest bust of the 2024 season so far. I think his upside is obvious. Like he flashed it last season. He scored 47 goals in 78 games. So that's the kind of upside we're talking about, right? Um, the shooting percentage has been, uh, a pretty significant downfall for him this year. The shot volume isn't too far off of where it was uh, last season. He's got 155 shots on goal in those 45 games, but shooting just 10.3% was right around 15% each of the last two seasons. So that's a significant decrease, and it's got obviously taken a significant impact uh, on his goal production this season. So he's a guy I'm still vetting to bounce back. And if, if I have him, I'm not looking to sell low. Um, obviously, that team in general has struggled to create as many scoring chances you know, his injury struggles and going in and out of the lineup and maybe not being even 100% healthy when in is certainly a part of that. But uh, in terms of if you're looking at the underlying numbers, just from his individual production as a standpoint, it really just comes down to him not converting as many chances as he has over the last couple of seasons. So I would still expect that to improve the rest of the season. We know the type of talent he has. I, I wouldn't bet on him continuing to shoot 10% the rest of the way. Um, so yeah, he's another guy that I'm looking to, to target and trade that's tough because, you know, I think a lot of people do recognize his real value. So I think probably it, more of the, this talk is for the, the Tage owners and, and telling them just to hold pad. If you can get anything close 
to, you know, his preseason value, then sure, pull the trigger because the surrounding cast isn't really there. But obviously that's pretty doubtful at this point. Um, so I think if anyone's trying to lowball you, you just have to hold pad and, and hope that he gets back to his elite finishing range sooner than later. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there. Like, I still think there's plenty of upside. He's obviously not scoring at the same rate that he was, but he's still generating a ton of chances in his last um, 32 shots in his last eight games. That's four shots per game. So he's still firing the puck at a ridiculous rate. He shot just 6.3% over that time. And like you said, 10.3 on the year, 5% lower than he had a year ago. And the year prior to that, I think was 16%. So um, obviously though, the five, 6% drop is massive in, in the goal category for him, but uh, you know, I, I don't think that it's far-fetched to suggest that he could have a nice finish to the year, but you're right. Like you can't trade him at this point. You, you, you're never going to get the value that you, you know, you spent on him on draft day. He's not the player you expected, but I still think he can return good goal production moving forward. And, you know, hopefully you were good enough on draft day to where you were able to insulate Tage enough that your team isn't totally in the tank. And if he does have a little bit of a resurgent final 30 games of the season, and that shot uh, shooting percentage does bounce back a little bit, it could be a nice playoff run for you in fantasy. So yeah, you can't sell low on them. I would be trying to buy, buy super low on them. And, and you know, at four shots per game, the goals are going to start coming eventually. Uh, okay. This next question comes from Twitter at fantasy hockey, six terrific name head to head categories, which include goals, assists, plus minus power play points, shots on goal and hits. Who would you keep Debrinkat, Trocek or Pavelski? I'm going Alex Debrinkat. Uh, Trocek has had a great year. He's one of my sleepers coming in, uh, but he's basically been stapled to the hip of Artemi Panarin, who is having a career year. It's an absolutely ridiculous year. Well, Debrinkat's numbers are nearly identical, and I think that you would agree with me that it's been mostly a disappointing season for Debrinkat after a ridiculously hot start. So uh, with everything seemingly kind of going right for, for Trocek and maybe not quite as as well for Debrinkat, they're nearly identical. And then Pavelski is just too old for me to consider in uh, – in keeper, like especially next to guys like Debrinkat and Trocek. So uh, Debrinkat, certainly the on-ice shooting percentage is still really high at 18%, but Trocek right there as well. So both guys have been relatively fortunate in that regard, and I think that it's probably a little bit more sustainable uh, heading into next year for Debrinkat. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we talked about it a lot. You don't want to invest too heavily on guys that are, you know, and I don't think Trocek certainly has some individual talent, but he is a guy that benefits a lot from his surrounding cast. And, uh, I think a simple shakeup of the lines year to year um, could really spell trouble for Trocheck owners. And I, you feel a lot more solid about the Brinkat's value moving forward. You know, we've seen him produce with three different teams now, um, Chicago, Ottawa, and now Detroit. And he's continued to be productive. You know, the shot volume is going to be there. That's going to be one of the more reliable metrics that you can bank on from year to year. And we've seen that uh, high end goal scoring as well. He's flashed the ability to shoot 15, 18, even 20% uh, across a full season. So uh, yeah, you got to bet on the individual talent there and, and respect that Debrinkat's going to always be one of the top op- scoring options on that team. Should have, uh, you know, continue to have a, an above average uh, surrounding cast. And I don't think you can say the same for Trocheck. Like I said, yeah, I'm with you. I'm a big fan of Trocheck, but um, certainly when you look at the options in, in uh, New York and some of those young players that continue to come into their own, it's easy to imagine Trocheck kind of falling down the pecking order over the next year or so. Uh, and you can't really say the same at all for the cat. So that's an easy one for me. Next one's a little bit more difficult to answer. It's also uh, a um, keeper question from at Dwight House 6, but is Beneers still a keeper? Without any 
context, it's very difficult to answer this question with more without more detail. But um, I'll, I'll I'll kind of try to break it down as best as I can. And I would say let's call this a standard twelve-team league with maybe ten keepers, so 120 players being kept. You know, in, in keeper rankings, keeper formats, I would think that Baneers is still going to be in the top 120 players heading into next year. Uh, so I, I I would say yes, he's still a keeper most likely if those are the if that's the format. I guess the only question mark would be if your team is super loaded, you probably don't need to worry about keeping him. Um, definitely a good playmaker. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite goal scorer. Uh, he's going to put up some nice assist totals. He's, he's really developed into a nice two-way center for that team. But that's just a very deep team that rolls four lines, that plays very well defensively. I don't think he's ever going to put up these massive point totals and be a great fantasy player. So, uh, yeah. Depending on the format, I think he's maybe a back-of-your-roster keeper just given his age and potential upside, but uh, he would be borderline on anything other than like a 12-team, 10-keeper format for me. Yeah, I, I think I'm a little bit higher on you. You know, it's just hard for me to to really cast off the 57 points he put up in 80 games as a 20-year-old just a season ago. Um, you know, I think we had him pegged as a bit of a um, – bus candidate coming into the year simply because, you know, the shot volume wasn't terrific um, and he shot 16% and that can be a little bit difficult to maintain, but uh, you know, shot volume at his age, it's still something that we could see improve year to year. So I wouldn't be shocked as he continues to get closer to what it should be his prime years. Um, if that improves and yeah, I agree with you in that he's already shown to be a terrific playmaker. Um, you know, it's, it is a D team. I would expect it, you know, to have some more, high caliber options as you know, they got some good prospect capital as, as those, as that team continues to get a little bit older, it's nice to see him back on the top line with uh, McCann. I mean, Everly, he's solid, but you know, Jared McCann is, is really the one piece that you want to see Matty Benier staple to. So they, they the issue is they mix their lines up so much. And he's been uh, to your point, a bit of a victim uh, to their depth at time. And even seeing some time with their quote unquote fourth line um, during last month. So uh, that's the troubling part, you know, is it is they are deeper, but I, I, I just think there's a lot of talent there. Uh, and I think he's going to continue to emerge as um, the number one option on that team in the coming year. So I'm a little bit higher on him, but um, yeah, at, at the end of the day, you got to be, you, you can't invest too much in, in potential value and, and really um, look at it more in a year to year standpoint. And, and again, it's tough to know uh, without knowing exactly how many keepers you have, but you might have to make a tough decision and leave them out if you're looking at something like, uh, you know, eight keepers or less, it, it's probably going to be tough to hold them uh, on uh, anything but, a, you know, a rebuilding team. Um, but if you're anything like 10 or, or or keep or anything more than that, if it's a little bit deeper in terms of the, the keeper numbers, uh, I think that's when he really becomes a no doubter for me, just because the potential upside there and not only for his game to grow, but grow into a more dominant role in that offense has, you know, they maybe get some salary cap issues down the line as uh, some of their guys come into the prime and are due for some bigger paydays. Yeah, I think just the biggest concern for me is that a podcast that absolutely loves shot volume is just the fact that he's averaged 1.8 shots per game throughout his career. Under that mark this year, it's even gone down. And that's just, I just don't know how many goals he's going to score moving forward. But I do agree that he's loaded with talent. Whenever you watch him, you're like, this should be a really uh, prolific point producer. Just hasn't really materialized yet. And yeah, like you said, victim of of a bit of um, of just depth. A lot, a lot of depth on that team. And a team you know similar to, like they give guys like Alex Wenberg and Yanni Gord so many minutes on a night to night basis. It doesn't always leave a lot for your kind of most teams roll out their four, first line like crazy. They just don't really have that, that luxury because they, they do roll so deep. So um, definitely not Nathan McKinnon out there playing 50% of the game. 
Um, the final, well, I guess there's, this is the final uh, person with a question, but he has many questions. So uh, the next one was, is Soros worth trading for with the hope that he moves to a contender? And what is a good trade range? To me, like, I always think it's good to buy low, especially on goalies that have ridiculously good track records. Like, I would be fine with trade buying low on Sorokin and Shesterkin and Soros. So, yeah, like, even if Soros remains in Nashville, I don't think it's far-fetched to suggest that he could still have a decent finish to this season. Obviously, there have been some horrendous performances, and would it be better if he gets traded to a very good team? Of course, but I don't think that, um, you know, it, it's – far-fetched to say that he could still have a decent finish to the year, even if he remains in Nashville. Uh, they have definitely been a little bit looser defensively as of late, um, but he just, yeah, it's, it's, it hasn't been great, but the, the track record is absolutely elite and I'm fine buying low. Uh, you know, obviously their defensive woes are a bit of a concern if he doesn't get traded, but I mean, in, in, in redraft leagues, I don't think it would cost a ton to acquire UC Saros at the moment. No, definitely not. And I, I'm, I'm right with you. Um, it, it's hard to get uh, a quality starting goaltender midseason in, in fantasy hockey, right? Like the, people just don't like to move them. They don't really uh, show up in any sort of abundance. And even a guy that just gets his sort of workload is pretty pretty rare in the NHL these days, right? So that alone, given the fact that he plays for an above average team, he's still going to provide solid fantasy value the rest of the way through. Um, but yeah, we talked about how difficult it is already on this show to forecast individual performance in between the pipes. Uh, and all you can really go off of uh, is track record. And yeah, so he should continue to get a whole lot of work. You'd expect that his performance to be closer in line with what it's been in years past. Uh, it's been an uncharacteristically inconsistent season for him to date. Uh, but I'm with you. If, you, if you're if you're really in need of help and, and you're going to make a bet uh and you know, going to take a gamble, I guess, in the trade market on, on a goalie. Why not take a guy that's going to get 80% of the starts uh, and who's had been one of the best goalies in fantasy hockey for the last five or six seasons now. So still only 28 years of age, still on the right side of 30. Um, so you're not too, too worried about that reaction time declining just yet. Um, so yeah, goalies are voodoo, as we said already, but there's really not uh, a better gamble to take than a guy with a track record and a workload like UC Saros. And the final question from Dwight Howe, is Bedard the most valuable player in cap leagues, even though he's on Chicago? Um, I would say no still, right? Like he's obviously looking like a player that in dynasty formats is going to be uh, absolutely incredible for years to come. But Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, these guys still play. They still got lots of years left ahead of them. And uh, to me, they're, they're, they still carry a lot more value than Connor Bedard. I do think that he's going to eventually break into that tier, but without a great surrounding cast, which he's probably still a couple years from, he's not going to be putting up these elite point totals like these guys are right now. So I still think he's a couple years away from being really in that consideration. Yeah. I mean, you still got guys that are in the early years of their prime that are dominating the league right now. And I agree. Like you have to, put precedence on those guys like you know sure I mean I don't doubt that Bedard uh is going to be one of if not the best player in this league at least from an offensive standpoint uh in the future right but the difficult part is like you said that might be uh three four years down the road still we know that the likes of like you said you know McDavid's 27 Matthew's 26 McKinnon 28 these guys still have plenty of productive years left the, the issue with trying to build uh, a team strictly around you know guys that are 
18, 19 years old, even if they have all the potential in the world, is it's really hard to forecast, you know, a, a team around him that's going to be just as productive and elite in four or five years time. It's much easier to make those tweaks on a year to year basis uh, when you have uh, a stalwart like a McDavid, a, a Matthews or a McKinnon to, to lead the way. So, yeah, I think, you know, Bedard's obviously got all the potential in the world, but but I'm right there with you. You have to go uh, with the guaranteed production and the guaranteed talent right now, especially considering that, you know, the, these guys that we're talking about, even in like a dry sidle, uh, their prime's not going anywhere. They're going to continue to be top five, top 10 fantasy options for years to come. Uh, and we don't know how long it's going to take Bedard to get there. And we don't know uh, if we're looking four or five years down the road, who else is really going to be in that conversation with him. So uh, yeah, you got to go with those little more guaranteed options ahead of him right now for sure. Um, but he's not far off. Like the, he's already produced at a pretty respectable clip. Uh, but yeah, this round cast to your point has to get better. And it's not like there's a ton of, uh, of you know blue chip prospects coming through to help them sooner than later it's going to take a few years for that team to fully rebuild and two more questions left we've got is jeff skinner worth keeping he's currently got pavel buchnevich and william carlson available on the waiver wire um to me like skinner obviously is that that team's gone through a pretty rough stretch right i had skinner as a bus coming into the season he was making me look pretty bad uh early on but yeah just one assist in what his last 10 games been rough sledding that one assistance last nine games excuse me so uh to me i think pavel buchnevich is certainly more intriguing that's a top line in st louis that outside of uh their top line they really don't have a lot going for them but uh that top line has been one of the better lines in the league and you know the opposite of what jeff skinner's done in, in his last nine games with one assist pavel buchnevich six goals four assists 10 points in his last 10 so Playing over 20 minutes tonight, I would certainly be making that swap, Jeff Skinner, for Pavel Buchnevich. What about you? Yeah, totally agree. Um, I'm assuming this is a pretty shallow league, probably talking like eight, 10 teams, right? And uh, I'm in a 10-team league where I picked up Buchnevich uh, a couple weeks ago just because I, I totally agree with you. I think uh, the floor and the ceiling just much higher than what you're going to get out of Buffalo this season, um, any of the Buffalo Sabres, and, and unfortunately. Uh, and yeah, I mean, William Carlson, he's, he's not going to get anywhere near the usage that uh, Buchnevich is going to get so uh, yeah totally agree floor ceiling it's it's not really much of a question Buchnevich is an easy call here and our final question of the night before we get to the Betway bets of the day and the weekend streamers Jones I'm assuming Seth Jones or Darnell Nurse rest of season in a points league 14 man also have Bouchard Berensky and Latang. This one's a little bit more difficult. Like obviously Seth Jones, um, you know, if there is no plus minus, certainly gets an added boost if your league doesn't count plus minus. But Seth Jones has been pretty solid uh, despite the surrounding cast that we just were talking about. But to me, I think you just have to hold on to Darnell Nurse. He hasn't been super productive this year, but uh, just even a couple of lucky bounces going his way with the surrounding cast that he's provided with makes him a little bit more valuable. I think it's close, but... Um, you know, obviously the, the lack of power play time for Nurse and, and the additional power play time for Seth Jones is great, but that's just not a power play unit that's going to uh, score many goals on, on most nights. That's a team that's struggling to score any goals at the moment. So uh, even with Bedard back, I'm a little bit more nervous about Seth Jones moving forward. So I'll go Darnell Nurse. How about you? Uh, I think it just depends. Like if, you know, you're not in a league that accounts for plus minus, it, it could probably be... Uh, a closer conversation. If, if plus minus or any of those other cursory stats hits, block shots are in there, then I'm, I'm probably 
with you. I'll go with Nurse. But I do think there is a little bit of upside there with Jones, just considering his usage and the fact that he is going to get that power play one time. Uh, we know how heavy the Oilers lean on that top power play, which Nurse is not on. So if you get some bonuses for, for power play production, like I said, plus minus isn't in the picture, um, then I do think there's a conversation we had for Jones over Nurse just because there's only so much he can do at, at 5v5. He's really not going to get much of a sniff on the power play. Uh, but I think that's really the only sort of formats where you can really make the argument. Otherwise, uh, I'm with you. Any piece you can get of the Oilers uh, is going to have uh, – or that's playing as much as Nurses is going to have some fantasy relevance and uh, be a little bit more reliable than uh, the likes of the Blackhawks offense for sure. All right. We are going to take a quick break here. When we get back, we will get to the Betway Bets of the day and the weekend streamers. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to Season 9, Episode 31 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by Betway. And speaking of Betway, let's get to the Betway bets of the day. If you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway 19 years or older, Ontario only. Please play responsibly. So looking ahead to tomorrow's game, we or tomorrow's games, we only have five games on the schedule for Wednesday, which is rare. Normally we record on the Wednesday and then the Thursday slate is massive or we record on the Thursday and we have a decent Friday slate. Tomorrow just five games. Looking at the docket, there's only one game that sticks out to me, and that is the Edmonton Oilers hosting the Boston Bruins in Edmonton. They're currently minus 137. There's some, some books out there, minus 145. Uh, so you're going to have to settle in. It depends when you get this in. By tomorrow morning, you might be looking at minus 145 on Betway as the rest of the market evens out. But uh, I'm still okay with minus 145. And if you get something better, like minus 137 as it stands currently, then that would be even better. But minus 145 is fine. I still think that this is a Bruins team that just does not have 
the uh, depth down the middle, they're, you know, they're a little bit fraudulent. I'll keep saying it. They've proven me wrong for the most part to this point, but I'm not a huge believer going into Edmonton playing a very good Oilers team that is definitely deep down the middle with Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Leon Dreisaitl, depending on how they shake up their lines. So I like the Oilers on home ice against the Bruins. We'll see where the line falls. Currently 137, minus 137, probably going to be about minus 145 when this hits your ear. So bet the Oilers, and that was the Betway Bets of the day. Now let's fire it over to Dylan D. Berthew, who has our weekend streamers. And it is an absolutely jam-packed weekend streamers edition, a super, super busy weekend in the NHL. Yeah, we got three games on Friday, 13 on Saturday, and then seven on Sunday. So Sunday, uh, certainly busier than your typical Sunday slate this weekend. Um, so we'll get through it. Uh, there's four teams playing the Friday Sunday schedule, um, and uh, a couple of you know teams, fa- or a couple of lower teams in the NHL uh, with some difficult matchups that we'll probably breeze through a little bit, um, and maybe just you know deep league options only there. But getting us started off are the Buffalo Sabers. They're in Columbus on Friday, hosting the Hurricanes on Sunday, and then Buffalo also takes on Montreal in Wednesday's five game slate. So you could potentially add three games for the price of one acquisition. Uh, if you're really strapped for ads and you, you act early and get them into your lineup tomorrow, Casey Middlestad is the best widely available option at 25%. Straight center eligibility, centering Dylan Cousins and Jordan Greenway on the Sabres' second line. Also sees time with the second power play unit. Uh, Middlestad, a bit of a pass first guy. So, you know, if you're looking for some assists, uh, he could be a decent bet heading into the weekend, uh, but not as likely to add to your goal scoring totals as is. Our boy, J.J. Paterka, right wing, eligible, 19% owned, second power play unit, but currently skating with the third line, unfortunately. Hopefully that changes ahead of the weekend. Either way, you got to love the shot volume here in front of the show for good reason. Five goals, three assists, 34 shots on goal across his last eight games while playing just 16 and a half minutes of the night. Um, and I mean, talking dynasty keepers, we we did a little bit of that earlier in the show, but I still think J.J. Paterka, uh, if he somehow makes it to your waiver wire or if he did before, uh, this, you know, before this hot stretch, uh, I, I think he's one of the easy targets in, in terms of breakout candidates for next season. All he really needs is more minutes and the goals and the points are going to be there for JJ Paterka. Uh, and I mean, why not with how much that top line has struggled? Uh, you would think sooner than later, the likes of Jeff Skinner fall down, falls down the lineup uh, and a JJ Paterka moves up. Hasn't happened yet, but I love the talent there. Uh, and you absolutely have to love the shot volume. Like I said, over four shots a game over that eight game stretch. Uh, and it's only getting better for J.J. Paterka. So friend of the show, like I said, for a good reason. He's a great option this weekend, 19% owned. Expect that to jump up around 25 30% by the time Friday slate rolls around. Next up, we got the Blue Jackets, who are at home to Buffalo, as I said, on Friday. Uh, and then the Rangers on Sunday. I'm not looking anywhere past Johnny Gaudreau, who's 51% owned, or Boone Jenner, 47% owned here. I guess in deep leagues, you could probably make the case for Voronkov, a Chinakov, or a Marchenko, but the usage in this top nine is simply too spread out, and there are too little goals to share between them all. Uh, so, you know, in standard formats, anything, you know, really below, like, 16 teams, if neither of the big two are available in your league, then I'm happy to pass on the Blue Jackets this weekend. Uh, speaking of passing, we got the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, they are also playing Friday, Sunday this weekend, hosting the Jets and the Red Wings. But jokes aside, I do think Philip Kurashev is worth a roll of the dice in deeper leagues, even despite that tough pair of matchups. 
skating alongside Connor Bedard on the team's first line and powerful unit. And Kurashev is on a nice little heater himself. He's got a six-game point streak going, one goal, seven assists, while playing just under 20 minutes a night in that span. Not much of a goal threat, just nine shots on goal in those six games, but he could easily help add your assist totals this weekend. They also play the Ducks on Wednesday, which is a nice matchup for them. So, again, if you're early enough, potentially three games for the price of one acquisition here in Philip Kurashev. Uh, and then again, there's an off chance you might only have room for a defenseman in your lineup for Sunday seven game slate. So if that's the case, you could look at Seth Jones, 50% owned in shallower leagues. Uh, I talked about it a bit earlier. You know, the upside is severely hampered by the surrounding cast in Chicago, but the usage is off the charts. I think he's an obvious threat to your plus minus, of course, if your league accounts for it. The same goes for Kurashev. So you just got to keep that in mind with both of these guys. And then finally, we got the Jets who are in Chicago Friday hosting the Coyotes Sunday. It's a great pair of matchups for Winnipeg. Gabe Velarde, center right wing eligible, 28% owned, and Sean Monahan, 27% owned. Easily the top two streaming options this weekend. Uh, we talked about Monahan after the trade deadline, or not the trade deadline, excuse me, but after he was traded to Winnipeg. Uh, you guys were a little bit higher on him than I was. I said I'm probably looking at him more as a streaming candidate when the schedule lines up, and it certainly does this weekend for Monahan. Both him and Velarde on the top power play unit. Velarde skating with Shifley and Connor at 5v5. Monahan is with Ehlers and Perfetti on the second line. Uh, and Monahan, you know, went pointless in his first four games as a Jet, but starting to settle in four goals in his last two games, including a hat-trick his last time out. And Velarde has also snapped out of a mini cold streak himself. Two goals, two assists, eight shots on goal in his last two games. I believe he's got a goal already tonight as well. So those guys heating up just at the right time as we head into, like I said, a, a nice streaming schedule for them this weekend. If neither of them are available, then, uh, you know, you can certainly settle for Cole Perfetti, center left wing, 17% owned. Not sure what he's done tonight, but he's been ice cold of late. I would expect him, if he hasn't already, to snap that 10-game point in the streak this weekend. Second line, as mentioned already, as well as the second power play. You know, I think as Monaghan gets more comfortable, uh, Perfetti, you know, the talent is there. He's he's going to break out uh, break out of that cold streak sooner than later. And, uh, you know, with those two matchups with the Blackhawks and Coyotes, why not this weekend? I think it happens for sure. Uh, so, yeah, available in 83% of the leagues. Like I said, he's a fine consolation prize if Monaghan and Velarde aren't available. And then just a quick look and goal here. We've got plenty of teams going back-to-back -back Saturday and Sunday, so I'll just highlight my three favorite projected starts. The Red Wings are hosting the Blues on Saturday before traveling to Chicago on Sunday. Uh, you'd expect Alex Lyon to get the Blues on Saturday. So I'm happy to rule the dice with James Reimer Brock on Saturday. Uh, Sunday for your Red Wings, just 5% owned. Uh, if he does get the call, it's a fantastic matchup. And he's coming off a 38 safe shutout against the Flames his last time out. Uh, I believe they said Huso is week to week with his injury, so really no chance that uh, Huso factors in. And so as long as Lyon gets the start against the Blues as expected on Saturday, should be Reimer in goal on Sunday. Uh, and then and then the Hurricanes are hosting the Stars Saturday before traveling to Buffalo on Sunday. Look for Kachekov to get the nod on Saturday, which would leave an enticing matchup for Spencer Martin, 6% owned on Sunday. I Really, the only thing to look out for here in terms of whether or not Martin gets this start is any news around Frederick Anderson. He's still out indefinitely, but is currently practicing with the team. I, I would I would say it'd be a surprise if he would return as early as this weekend, but you never know. So just keep an eye out on that one. Uh, Martin, probably a guy I'm holding off on until Sunday to make that move. And then finally, the Predators are in San Jose Saturday in Anaheim on Sunday. Uh, so I would certainly, especially after Lincoln and getting in some action tonight, uh, I would expect UC Saros to get the Sharks on Saturday, and which would leave Lincoln in again, who is just 1% on to get back in the crease uh, in a heavy, favorable matchup against the Ducks 
on Sunday. So there you go. We've got three goalies uh, in some pretty juicy matchups come Sunday that could easily pad your win totals. As always with these backup net miners, you know, they're a bit of risk to your splits, slight risk in points leagues because, you know, they're not uh, the most talented goalies. The save percentage just isn't as reliable as you're going to get out of your number ones, obviously. But uh, like we said, got to play the matchups and all three of these guys are going to be heavy favorites to win on Sunday should they get the call. And that is going to do it for these weekend streamers. And that's also going to do it for this edition of the DFO Fantasy Podcast presented to you by Betway. Of course, I'm your host, Brock Segan. And with me is Dylan D. Berthium. We'll see you guys back here, hopefully, with the tripod complete next week. Peace.